0: chapter number 1, look at verse number 46. We'll cover a bit of the background in a moment, but here is the song, and we'll explain in due time what, what this means. And Mary said, my soul doth magnify the Lord, my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. Here is just to give you a teaser on why we would think this is music, even those two lines are, they're Hebrew parallelism really, it's, it's, a, it's a poetic style that you would use for, for music. Verse 48, For he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden, for behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. Mary will now switch from me to them. She says in, in verse number 50, And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He has showed strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. Verse 54, she switches over to Israel. Not me, not them, but Israel. He hath opened his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. This morning we get to cover... There's so much I, I could say here, but we get to cover in a, in a brief, maybe 30 to 40 minute window of time, Mary's song, and to look at this piece of Christmas music. I want to give you this, this piece of music this morning, but to get it, we really do have to back up a bit to the beginning of the story and to see what happens in Mary's life. And music is something that is really powerful. It's been said of music that music helps you feel a feeling, just the notes that words help you think a thought, and a song helps you feel a thought. And that, I I believe, is true. And if that is true, what that means is that a song is powerful. Always has been, always will be. The, the choir singing this morning just the story of Mary and that she was told that Jesus was going to come through her. It makes us feel those words in a different way. It makes us feel that thought. Aaron singing makes us feel a thought in a different way. And, and I want you to understand this morning what you should feel from this passage, what you should think from this passage of Mary's song. And, and I would say her song is many things, but primarily it's three things. It's a song of faith, it's a song of blessing, it's a song of praise, and to really get the song of faith. We have to back up and understand the full section of what Luke has told us about Mary. So I'm going to cover some really familiar words to you, okay? The choir sang them this morning. Many of you, you know the Christmas story. You've read these words where the angel comes to Mary and pronounces to her. So the, the danger of these words is that there's a lot of sentiment attached to them and that you can let the emotions kind of hijack you and take over your mind rather than really dwelling on the text and letting the text tell you what it's saying. So I want us to see, first and foremost, Mary's faith. And what we'll find is that in a matter of 30 verses, that's a big span, Mary is going to speak three times. And each time that she speaks, we'll see what happens to her faith. That Her faith takes place in stages, And her faith, in essence, grows, which really is similar to to most Christians. Not everyone, but very rare is the the Christian that goes from uncommitted to committed in a day. Most Christians, their faith is a process, and it takes time. Even leading up to salvation and believing the gospel of Jesus, typically speaking, that is a a process that happens in someone's heart. And and the faith of Mary really is is no different. We're going to see that in Luke chapter number 1. I want you to back up to verse number 26, and we'll start with the angel Gabriel coming to Mary and giving her a pronouncement. So verse number 26 of Luke chapter, uh, chapter number one says this. In the sixth month... The angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth. So in the sixth month, what does that mean, the sixth month? Sixth month of what? Well, the story before this was that God had told Elizabeth that she was going to bear a child, and Elizabeth is now six months pregnant, Mary's cousin, who is old and should not have a child. So her cousin now is six months pregnant, and Gabriel comes to Mary. Mary doesn't know she's pregnant at this point in time. But he comes and says this to, to Mary, to a virgin, verse 27, espoused spouse to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. So here's Mary kind of engaged to be Joseph's wife and, and a virgin. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And here's what Mary thinks inside of herself. When she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. So the first thing you see in Mary's faith is what I would call kind of this measured skepticism. The Bible tells us clearly that Mary, who's a great woman, Mary actually casts in her mind and is, is wondering, what is this greeting? What, it, what is happening here? That the, the word actually cast in her mind is an accounting word. It, it almost means to audit like Mary is is trying to add up in her mind what is happening right now she's trying to make sense of this she's trying to measure what just who just said this to me what did he just say and and she's troubled at this the bible says like she is thinking inside of herself what's happening right now like is this a hallucination am i dreaming is this really real is this actually taking place inside of of my life right now. She is trying to do her best to make sense of what's coming at her. And there's a a sense really of of skepticism here. And we'll see it in her words in just a moment that she's trying to to wrap her head around this as best she can. And the angel Gabriel picks up on this and actually says to her in uh, verse number 30, fear not Mary. For thou hast found favor with God. So he's telling her, look, don't fear. I can sense this inside of you. Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son. Thou shalt call his name Jesus. Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. He shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Now, I can't believe that I'm just going to completely skip over that section of Scripture, but in light of Mary's song, I am. That's what he said. I would love to dwell there, but I'm moving on. Mary responds, and the first words of Mary is this in her measured skepticism. Mary said unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? Mary's response to the angel is not, oh, sweet, I've been waiting for an angel. Like, yeah, I was expecting this to happen in my life. Like, just yesterday I was thinking, you know, I'm counting down the days till Christmas. There's going to be an angel that comes. I'm going to be a virgin. I'm going to give birth to a son. And this has been in my life plan since I've been a little girl. This is not at all what's happening inside of Mary. Mary is trying to make sense, like, is this actually real? Okay, I, I think I'm, I'm a bit incredulous right now, but I think this is real. So, okay, I'm going to have a kid. Uh, Gabriel, like, I'm no biology expert here, buddy, but, like, me and Joseph, I, I think that maybe our relationship needs to grow a bit before actually I'm going to have a baby. Like, I don't think that this is going to physically happen here, Gabriel. Gabriel. This is, this is Mary trying to express a bit of doubt, and, sh- and she's not wrong for this measured skepticism. Uh, the Bible's view of doubt is, is really very nuanced. There is a form of doubt, say, in, in Sarah, when she was told she was going to have a baby, and she laughed, and she's like, nope, and, and God is against that. God, God's against you not trusting my word, but then there's a form of doubt in Mary where Mary is not like, "Huh, nope, Mary is like, how is this possible, like, I'm, I'm open to an explanation, and I'm I'm open to receiving this instruction and in believing, but I'm going to need a little bit of help here. Like, I'm, I'm a bit curious at the moment. I'm a bit doubtful. I'm a bit skeptical of what's happening and what you're saying to me and how this would even be believable. And the angel doesn't yell at her. Gabriel doesn't scold her and say, how dare you, you know, ask me a question and not believe just, you know, just with a blank check everything that I say to you. And and nor should we scold people when they have measured skepticism or when people have questions about Christianity. Maybe you're here in the room this morning and just that God became flesh and and the story of Christmas is a bit fanciful to you and, and you would struggle to believe that and you have questions, but you're open to receiving instruction. That's okay. I would even, we would even like to personally give some help and explain there a bit, maybe even your own salvation experience and you becoming a Christian was, was prefaced with some doubt and some, and some skepticism, that's okay. It's, it's not my job to, to say, you know, you should never doubt anything and have faith the end. No, there, there are answers. The Bible's not scared of your questions. God's not scared of your questions. If you really want an answer, those are there for you. And, and Mary has this, this bit of doubt inside of her when, when Gabriel comes to her. But she speaks first with skepticism, and then Gabriel's going to try his best to explain, here's how this is going to happen. And we'll see that Mary's faith moves from skepticism to just kind of simple acceptance. Look in verse number 35. The angel answered this question, How is this going to happen to me because I don't know a man? I'm a virgin. And he says unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, let me give you kind of an, an indicator that this is accurate, thy cousin Elizabeth. She hath also conceived a son in her old age. This is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, in simple acceptance, this is what Mary says, her second words, behold, the handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. So incredulous, Mary asks, How can this be? Gabriel gives this answer, and Mary goes to, Okay, my faith now is I accept. I may not understand it all, I may not get it all, but I'm be it unto me according to thy word. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Mary enters a a phase of her faith where she accepts and she surrenders, and she lays down really her plans for her life and accepts what God has for her. Now, every every person in this room, and every person really who's ever lived, including Mary, is extremely prejudiced against the idea that you're not in control of your own life. All of us want to probably think more highly of ourselves than, than we should and to think that we are entirely in control of our lives. Here's my plan. Here's what I have going. Here's what's going to happen. Here's how I've written it. That, that's, just, that's just human default mode. Mary's no different than you in that. And what God has done with Mary here is God has hijacked her life. Mary was not planning on giving birth to, to the Messiah as a virgin. This was not in her deck of cards. This this is not what she she's a, she's taken back by this. She's surprised by this. She's even doubtful of this and she is now coming to terms with this and really in surrender she is accepting God's plan for her life. Now this is this is difficult. You you may say well that's easy like she gets to give birth to Jesus. Everyone's going to bless her and talk about her for generations. You know, good for you Mary. This is difficult, okay? Mary is Mary is young. Mary is poor. Mary is female. And Mary lives in the first century. Now, if you know the first century, you know that's not a good combination, okay? So Mary already, on on the social ladder, she has a pretty low rung. And now she's going to be pregnant but not married. That's not going to play well with her family. She doesn't know how this is going to play with Joseph. If Joseph is going to put her away privately, which is actually what was in his heart, or publicly, which means that she would have been stoned to death. She's not going to be able to control the rumor mill and what people are going to say about her and what her peers or her family or others are going to think. They're inevitably going to think, well, Mary and Joseph have been, you know, a little closer than they should have been right now. Or worse than that, Mary and some other guy, she's living loose. This, this is what she has to surrender to beyond this. We'll cover this in a couple weeks. Simeon tells Mary when, when she gives birth to Jesus and presents him at the, at the temple, he tells Mary a prophecy, and the prophecy he gives to Mary is not, man, you're so lucky. He tells her a sword is going to pierce your soul. He says, Mary, you're going to get stabbed in the soul. So this is a tough pill to swallow for this girl. Like, this is not easy for her. This is, at this point in time, this is not rejoicing, yay for me, I get to give birth to Jesus. She's not at that place yet. This is a point where her faith was at first skeptical. Now, now she's accepted it. Now she's come to terms with this, and she's surrendered, but she still has some growing to do. And we'll see this in her song. but maybe, I would say this, maybe you're there. Maybe you're in Mary's boat. Maybe even with, with Christianity, you're here, and you're just, you're just a bit skeptical there are answers there, but I can tell you this. After those answers, eventually there, there has to come a time of surrender. There's never going to be a time, if, if you are not a Christian, and you're weighing, becoming a follower of Jesus or not, that's, that's not like signing up for the health club, okay? It, it's, it's not some wellness program that you're just going to be a part of. Really, you coming to Jesus is surrender, it's understanding that I'm going to take my hands off my life, and I'm going, to, I'm going to give that to him, and he is going to be Lord. If what the Bible says is true, that God became flesh and died for me, that is, that is a bold claim, and that demands more than just kind of casual acceptance. There, there, there are no halfway measures with Jesus. You, you, can't, you can't just want a little piece of him, and I'll kind of moderately be Christian, and, and I'll kind of have some of this, but not, that doesn't work with Jesus you either run in fear or you you take up arms and you hate him or you fall down and you worship and you say you get everything. And Mary has reached a point of surrender. And I would say even beyond becoming a Christian, once you are a Christian, there are these moments in your life where God has a tendency, if you haven't already noticed this, you probably will in the near future, he can hijack your life. Like today, he can. You driving home and getting in an accident, Someone in this room may spend Christmas in the hospital rather than with family like you had planned. He has a way through, through physical, through financial, through, through family, through relationships. He has a way of, of really coming into your life and going a bit off script. Ever been there? Where what you had scripted, what you had said you wanted for your life and you were going to do, God just saw fit to do otherwise? I've been there. What do you do in those moments? Hopefully, your faith is like Mary. You get to a point of of just acceptance. Where you say, you know what? Be it unto me according to your word. Lord, I I I accept. I surrender. I don't fully get it all right now, but I but I surrender. Now the story continues, and we're gonna get to Mary's song here. The story continues, and this is what the Bible says Mary does. She hears this answer. How is this gonna happen? Well, This is going to be of God. And Mary, just so you know, Elizabeth, that's of God too. She's six months pregnant. So the Bible says that Mary, in verse number 39, arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah, entered into the house of Zacharias, and saluted Elizabeth. So why would Mary with haste run to Elizabeth? She's trying to see was this accurate? The angel told me that six months pregnant is Elizabeth. I want to see if this is accurate or not. Like, this is going to be really apparent, you know? We're going to be able to tell if this is true or not, if Elizabeth is, a, is pregnant. So she runs to Elizabeth, and the Bible says in verse number 41, it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, she just hears Mary say, hi, how are you? Merry Christmas, whatever she said to her. She hears the, the salutation of Mary, Elizabeth not knowing yet that Mary is pregnant. She, she, is, she hasn't gotten this information yet. Here's what Elizabeth does. The babe leaped in her womb, that's John, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost and spake out with a loud voice and said, blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. How does Elizabeth know she's pregnant? Like this has to take Mary by surprise. Like she knows I'm, like I haven't really been telling people this sort of stuff. Like I'm not showing yet, but Elizabeth knows this. And whence is this to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. So Mary goes to Elizabeth, and immediately her faith is bolstered. She sees Elizabeth is pregnant. The angel was right. Elizabeth, she, she ain't supposed to be pregnant right now. She's way beyond that stage of life but she is, and Elizabeth immediately knows and, and blesses and says, you're the mother of my Lord. Elizabeth, who I would likely say won the spotlight on her, the woman who's been barren her whole life, wanted a kid desperately, now is pregnant, and Mary comes in, and she takes the spotlight off of her and puts it right on Mary and says, you're blessed, and, and you have believed the Lord, and you know this. You, you know what this did for Mary's faith? She's skeptical, then she surrenders and accepts. I'll tell you what it did for Mary's faith. The next two verses, the very beginning of Mary's song, tell us exactly what it did for Mary's faith. It, there was awesome wonder. She says the first two lines of her song, that's the backstory. So now her faith is going to explode. And she says... My soul doth magnify the Lord. My spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. No more skepticism. No more just simple acceptance. Faith from the heart. And and the true end of faith is more than cognitive and it's more than volitional. It always ends up rooting itself in the emotional. It goes beyond the intellect. It goes beyond the will. And it goes to the heart. And this is now where Mary's faith is. And her song begins with this faith that is awesome, that is wonderful, that she is looking at what God has done. And, sh- and she's not saying, well, God just added some value to my life. You know, he's, he's been good, and I'm, I'm thankful for, for what he's done. Th- there's nothing calculated here. This is Mary bolstered with faith, emotional, not, not, in a, not in a logical way, but in a heartfelt way, saying I am in awe and I am in wonder and I magnify God and, and I, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior because of, of what he's done. She is caught up holy. She is enraptured with bolstered faith. And that is a really amazing place to be. That's where Mary's song begins, is a place of faith that has now grown and God has showed himself strong over and over and now she can rejoice. Now her soul magnifies. Now this pours out of her. No more doubts, no more fears, but in in surrender and in simple obedience, what follows is awesome wonder and I would argue that the same will be true for you. Whatever you're wrestling with right now with the Lord if you get to a place where you lay it down in simple obedience, around the corner is awesome wonder. Around the bend for you is a place of praise and adoration and seeing God grow and seeing your faith grow become magnified and become larger. This is what happens in Mary's life. This is the three times she speaks. She's skeptical first, she's acceptant next, and then she's an awesome wonder, praising the Lord because of what he's done. So first and foremost, what is Mary's song? It's a song of faith to us, but beyond that, it's a song of blessing. So Mary continues and she says personally, here's my blessing. Here's Mary's blessing. Verse number 49. He that is mighty... Hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. Verse number forty eight. He hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden, for behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. Mary's blessing is it's going to get beyond her. But first she stops and she says, You know what, I'm blessed. God has regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. And yes, all generations are going to call me blessed, but this is not proud, puffed up, look, toot my own horn. This is what's going to happen to me. This is Mary saying, he's regarded me even though I'm low. This, this is, is Mary saying, he's mighty and he's done to me something great. Holy is his name. Here's Mary, okay? If you could uh, encapsulate Mary in a sentence in, in her life, one commentator said it this way. She was a no one engaged to a nobody living in the middle of nowhere with nothing. That, that really is Mary according to the first century. No one engaged to a nobody living in the, living in the middle of nowhere with nothing. This girl is, is socially low. No one would have naturally thought that she was going to be exalted. And Mary knows this. He's regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. God has, God has looked on me. God has regarded me. God cares for me. Maybe you feel similar to Mary. Maybe you feel like your educational background is lacking. Maybe you feel like your, your family situation was put you behind the eight ball. Maybe you feel like your, your gifts or your abilities or your talents or your physical ailments limit you, but somehow you feel this way. You feel like a Mary. You feel like a, a low estate, the, the handmaiden. If that's you, I can tell you, you can be blessed just as Mary was blessed if you just simply surrender. Don't, don't limit God and what he can do with your life or what your background. Mary is a case in point. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what other people think about you. It doesn't matter if you have something going for you according to, you know, the, the society at large. Mary is a case in point that she was, was a no one, but God looked on her and she obeyed and she accepted. And God blessed her because of that. And I would argue that what Mary says here, her, her song of blessing should be transferred to us. She is saying, who am I that God would bless me? Who am I that God would do this to me, that he would give this to me, that he would regard me, that he would do something? I'm going to praise him because it's not about me. We sing around Christmas the the song, O Little Town of Bethlehem, and there's a, a line in that song that says, O Holy Child of Bethlehem, talking about Jesus, descend to us, we pray, cast out our sin and enter in, be born in us today. Now, that's, that's a really potent image, but it's an accurate image of what takes place when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that literally he comes in us and casts out our sin and enters into us. And every Christian should have a measure of Mary's song, should have a measure of, I don't know what I did to deserve this. I, I don't know what I did to deserve, so I didn't do it, I did the opposite. It seems like I would not deserve salvation. It seems like I would not deserve mercy and grace and love, but God has given it to me. He has extended it to me. He has blessed me. There should be a note of wonder. There should be a note of awe that encapsulates our hearts, that encapsulates our song, that God would regard me, that he would look on me, that he would actually save me. And if you're a Christian and your Christianity is viewed through the lens of, yes, I'm a Christian and I'm a good Christian because I go to church or because I believe this certain creed or because I do this or do that, that, that's all the wrong way of looking at it. You have to look at it how Mary looked at it in verse number 49. She says, he hath done to me great things. Christianity is not something that you have done for yourself. It's something that's done for you. It's something that's done in you. It's something that's done to you. And when you allow that to sink into your heart, that God has done this to me, for me, I did not deserve it, there will be a sense of wonder and blessing that that overtakes you. I would say it this way. Is it a miracle that Elizabeth is pregnant in her old age with John? Absolutely. Is it a miracle that Mary is a virgin and pregnant with Jesus? Absolutely. Is it a miracle that you're a Christian? Absolutely. Your salvation is a miracle. And for you to view that any other way is detrimental to yourself and detrimental to the Lord Jesus. You have a miracle similar to Mary that you can praise, that you can bless, that you can say, I don't know how he regarded my low estate, I don't know why he did this to me and in me and for me, but he did. So I bless him and I tell him his name is great and holy and wonderful. It's a song of blessing for, for Mary. This is what John Newton wrote in his hymn and he entitled the hymn, Let Us Love and Sing and Wonder. And this is what Newton wondered at. This is what we should wonder at. Let us love and sing and wonder. Let us praise the Savior's name. He has hushed the law's loud thunder. He has quenched Mount Sinai's flame. He has washed us with his blood. He has brought us nigh to God. The fact that you are brought nigh to God, you have peace with God is it should, should invoke a sense of wonder inside of you and a sense of blessing inside of you. You should say like the psalmist said that you can bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that was, is within me, praise his holy name. That should be your song. Mary's song should be your song. Beyond that, I would say this, it's, it's a world's blessing. Is, is this a song of blessing? Yes, for Mary, but beyond that, she presses this deeper and externally to the world. She continues her song and says this, not me now, but them. Verse 50, his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He has showed strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent empty away. Here is what, there's so much I could say there, but here's essentially what Mary's saying. God has turned the tables. God has taken not just me, Not just me, the low girl in Israel, but God is is pressing this out beyond me. God is offering this to to the other poor or the oppressed. What Mary is doing is saying what's happening in Jesus Christ, what is going to come true, is going to expand beyond the aristocrats. Now, in, in the first century, the common thought was, if you were good, then you would be blessed you would have money, you would have wealth, you would have power. Now, if you were bad and God was mad at you, then you would be poor, you would have some sort of physical ailment. This is why in John 6, remember the, the, the blind man that was blind from his birth, that Jesus comes to, and the disciples ask Jesus, Jesus, who sinned, that guy or his parents? And Jesus is like, uh, guys, nobody sinned. But to them, that was a new way of thinking. Like, that guy, does, he's... Not blessed, he has blindness, so inevitably he must have done something wrong to tick God off. Inevitably, there's something, there's some sort of sin in his life or in his parents' life, potentially. And she says, No, that's not the way it works. And the gospels reiterate this over and over. Mary is saying this. What Mary is saying is that the gospel is will it be offered to the rich young ruler or to those that have means or money or power? Yes, but it's going it's it's going to expand to anyone. This is all inclusive. This is The tables are turning here. The, the poor, the low, the widow, the oppressed, the orphan, anyone is going to be included in salvation. What's happening to me and my blessing is going to push beyond me. This is going to be offered to the world. This is going to be to all people. This is Mary saying that the gospel is going to go global and that everyone's going to be included in this. This is Mary saying that you and I are going to inherit the blessing. Anyone that fears him from generation to generation. In that day and age, there were God-fearers. People that were not Jewish, and they, and they were Gentile, but they refused to become Jewish, but they still feared the God of the Bible. And Mary is saying, anyone who fears him, this is all-inclusive. They're going to be roped in. You and I are inevitably what Mary is talking about right here, that we get to receive the blessing. We get to have what is offered through Jesus Christ and salvation. But beyond that, she goes to Israel's blessing, and she says at the end of her song, he hath or helped his servant Israel. In remembrance of his mercy, as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. Mary says, look, I'm blessed. The world's going to be blessed. But even my nation, Israel, is blessed. God has not forgot his promises. He told Abraham that all the earth would be blessed through his seed. He said that this was going to happen. He gave us a a promise, and we we can bank on it. We can know that now that we're nationally blessed. So Mary's song, faith. Mary's song, blessing, but lastly and quickly, Mary's song is a song of praise. You have to understand that this really is not supposed to be about Mary. This this song is not meant to ultimately direct your attention to Mary and have you focus on her and say, wow, what a wonderful woman. She sure was blessed. Good for Mary. Let's move on. To, to, To make a couple things clear, in case this has wandered through your mind, let me set a few things straight biblically about what Mary is not. Okay, so Mary is not biblically the queen of heaven. The Bible never says that. Mary is not sinless. There was one that was sinless, Jesus Christ. He died for our sins, the end. Everyone else, including Mary, had faults and failures and foibles. Mary is not a mediatrix. You don't pray to Mary. Mary. The Bible is abundantly clear. There's one God and there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, the end. There's, there's no instruction in the Bible to, to pray to Mary. Mary's not a co-redeemer. Jesus Christ accomplished our redemption, the end. So that's, that's not who Mary is and some have taken the blessing that Mary got and they have, they've elevated Mary and they have looked to Mary and sought to pray to Mary or praise Mary but that's not what this is teaching this is teaching, and Mary's song is abundantly clear. God is doing this to me. God is doing this for me. God is doing this in us. God is fulfilling his promises. God has bolstered my faith. God is going to press us out to, to the poor, to the oppressed, to the world. This is about him. She's saying this is focus on him and glorify him and magnify him. She begins the psalm, or uh, this, this song with my soul doth magnify the Lord. What is she saying? I am now, God is getting bigger to me. He's being magnified, which is really a valid question for us. When's the last time God was magnified in your eyes? When's the last time God was made bigger to your heart? When's the last time he increased your faith? When's the last time you stepped out and you saw him work and you saw him lead and you saw him guide? This is Mary saying, my soul magnifies, enlarges God, and beyond this, she's not just Saying this to herself, if you remember, she's saying this to Elizabeth. She is praising God, magnifying God, making God bigger to who's in front of her, to her audience. This is a praise from Mary's lips that's meant to teach us that we are to praise, magnify, make God larger to the world at large. Our goal is really what Mary's goal was here to take someone who this Christmas season you'll be led into a conversation at work or with the neighbor or with just maybe some stranger, some waitress at a restaurant. What should be your song? What should be your heart's desire to make God big to them? Your, your inner being should long as Mary long to sing Mary's song and to say, let me magnify God to you. Let me tell you what he's done for me. He has blessed me. I don't deserve it. I don't know how in the world he, he saved me because I'm telling you, I was a mess. I still am a mess, but God is doing something in my life and he's been working and I don't even know how to put it into words fully, but I can tell you that I have found joy and I have found peace and, and I looked for it in relationships and I looked for it in money and I looked for it in, in satisfaction here and just in pleasure and I, I looked for it anywhere I could. I never found it, but I found it in Jesus and he's blessed me. So let me tell you, that's Mary's song. It's a song of let me praise and magnify God. Let me tell you what he's done for me. Let me tell you, let me praise him to you. And if we could sing this song, where would we be? A song of faith that begins with, yeah, I was skeptical and I I surrendered, but man, I'm in wonder now. Look at what God has done. It's amazing to me. A song of blessing. I don't know how or why he he saved me. I sure didn't deserve it, but he did. And man, I'm glad, and he'll do it for you too. The blessing's not just for me, it's for you. A song of praise to say, here's what God has done. Let me tell you, let me make him big to you. I hope that this Christmas season, that's your heart. To take, enjoy family time. Enjoy hickory farms. Enjoy chipmunk music. All right, have at it. Go sled down a hill if it snows. But I hope that this Christmas, Mary's song is your song, that really what it's about is understanding the faith that you should have in the Lord, understanding the blessing that, that you have from him, understanding I want to tell others and I want to make him big.